Welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And today I have a very exciting little bonus for you inside this episode. Um, Today's episode is from Meditation Mondays that we do inside the Beyond the Asana Facebook group. So it is a part podcast, part meditation episode. So at the end of the episode, we do a 10-minute meditation on being the witness, which is a powerful practice from the Presence Project and from Embodied Ayurveda. Um, We cover what it looks like like to be the witness in a formal practice, which is ultimately what I walk you through inside this practice, and what it looks like and why it's so powerful to be the witness in an informal way throughout our days. So I'm super excited for you to listen to this episode. I certainly loved creating it for you and, you know, sharing with all of you guys. So I can't wait for you guys to listen in. And before we get into the episode, I do want to remind you that Embodied Ayurveda, our four-week Ayurvedic coaching experience is open for enrollment. And so if you have been hearing me talk about this over the last couple of weeks, if you've been curious about, you know, what this entails or, you know, if this is a good fit for you, I really want to encourage you to either reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or shoot me an email to melissa at yogifuel.com. We've got links and all of the things in the show notes below, but I would love to hear from you. If you are on the fence, if you're considering, if you're not sure, whatever it is, just reach out or fill out an application and I will be in touch personally to have a conversation about whether or not this is the next step for you. So, all right, that is all I have to say preempting this show. I really hope that you enjoy the episode I've created for you today. As I said, I had a ton of fun creating it and sharing this with you. So without further ado, here is this week's podcast. meditation slash mindful Mondays here in the beyond the Asana Facebook group. I feel like I talked about this last week, but I got the book meta human by Deepak Chopra and guys, it is honestly like, okay. Usually for meditation Mondays, I'm going to give you like a back, a back story. Usually what I do, if you guys have been here and you notice is that like, I'll do the meditation first. And then we kind of have a a conversation and I might kind of do like a hybrid of that today. Um, reason being is I don't love to like put stuff in the space for people, like before they do a practice, like I just want them to be, you know, mindful and whatever anyways. Okay. Meta human. I'm the kind of person who, if you haven't seen this by now, I'm like, Ooh, really excited. I've got a lot of like Pitta, but Vata energy, like very creative, very like, Ooh, wind, you know, I need to channel my prana. Okay. <laughs> that kind of person who needs to channel that wind energy. And so what that looks like sometimes is like, so pop in the comments, if this sounds like you, I'll start a bunch of books and, and I won't finish them. And partially because sometimes I'll kind of lose interest or I'm like, eh, you know, or I'll take forever to read. Like I'm not typically like a fast reader. This book, I'm like, crushing. Okay. I think I'm on page like 70 and it's been, I've read it for like two, I've been reading only for two hours, which is insane. Okay. For me, like my, that speed of reading for me is like insane. So if anyone is curious about reading meta human, I highly recommend that you do it. It is so it's a deep one. Okay. But it is so good. And it mixes like 
the science and the spiritual in the most like beautiful way. It's like all about like the science of consciousness. And we're going to go over a little practice today that will sort of like bridge that gap. But it is honestly like, it is just like absolutely, absolutely blowing my mind. And I'm such a, like a nerd in that sense where like, I love to, I love to understand the science of consciousness. It's fascinating. He goes into the quantum field, how we're like way more, you know, we're not, I don't know. He just dismantles, like, we're not this physical body. It's, it's, and not just from like an esoteric, like maybe you've heard that in a sort of like, you're not this physical body. Like you're so much more than that. And he actually like walks you step-by-step through why you're not a physical body. Like it's really, if you're interested in like the science of consciousness and the science of reality, oh snap, you got to read this book. It's amazing. And so anyways, he talks about this concept of being meta human. Okay. So the word meta actually means beyond. I did not know that, (laughs) you know, we talk about metaphysical. So like the metaphysical reality is like the beyond physical reality. Okay. So being meta human is all about being beyond human. And so like a part of that is first and foremost, accessing that we are so much more than this physical body. And we're so much more than our mind. Like we're the witnessing consciousness behind all of that. Right. So what I want to walk you through today is a practice that helps you to access that witnessing presence, right? That consciousness that observes everything in reality to help you start to build the muscle of recognizing that that's who you are and that that is accessible to you all the time. And so he talks in this book about how meta reality and being meta human is a choice. It's the choice of a lifetime. And it's the choice that we get to make in every moment. And so my husband and I were talking about this because when I get excited about, when I get excited about something, I just want to like talk about it all the time. So I was saying to him, I'm like, you know, like, and, and one of the things he was saying is, and he's a, he's a practitioner. He's a teacher of yoga. He understands he's a yoga philosophy teacher even. Right. So he gets this. And we talk about how sometimes it's a really great idea You know, like we can understand intellectually the idea that, okay, I know I'm the consciousness. I know I'm the witnessing presence, but how does that help me in a moment where I'm really frustrated with my daughter or I'm really angry about something? Or for example, we live in India. If you've ever driven in India, oh man, it is so frustrating to drive here sometimes because there's no, people aren't driving up. Like there's, there's maybe two lanes, but yet there are five cars beside each other. Like people aren't following, you know, the rules of the road. Everyone's just doing whatever they want. And so we joke that like, of course, yoga was sort of like created here. Like, <laughs> you know, like sometimes it's, it can be really frustrating. So he's like, how do you reconcile that? Like, yeah, cool. I'm the witnessing consciousness, but how do I actually navigate the fact that like, I'm angry. And so this makes me so excited to talk about it. It's like, even that language, I am angry. That sentence actually sounds like who you are is anger. I am angry. And interestingly, this like all ties into my husband is doing a lot of um, diversity and inclusivity work with the company he works for Moto Yoga. And he was saying how, when we're being inclusive with language, we don't say um, a a Hispanic person, we say a person of Hispanic origin. And what I find interesting about this language is like, it's interesting. It's like, we don't use the identifier first, right? Like I am angry. We, We would use like, I am experiencing anger because what that actually does is it creates a separation between who you are and the thing you're experiencing. It allows you to see that you aren't inherently anger or you're not inherently angry, but it's something that you're experiencing in this moment. 
because the conscious witness and the presence of the anger, your consciousness, who you truly are beyond the anger and the body and the mind and all the constructs of the ego is this observing presence. And the observing presence isn't affected by the fluctuations of the mind or the turnings of the world or that guy who cut you off on the street or your daughter who's like not listening to you and not getting ready for school on time. You know, <laughs> yes, you're going to experience these emotions, anger, frustration, sadness, suffering. You're going to experience all of that. It's part of the human condition. It's part of, you know, you being here as a human, as a human being, but who you truly are, this idea of accessing like the metahuman, as Deepak Chopra calls it, is in accessing that you are beyond that. You are beyond the anger. You are beyond the frustration. You're beyond all of that. You're the presence of that. And so I was saying to my husband, it's like in that moment, accessing like, um, okay, I'm not angry. I'm experiencing anger. And you'll still feel those feelings in your body because you're human and you have, you know, all of that. You'll still experience those emotions. But when we don't identify with them as much, it does, it creates a space it creates a space for us to also like allow ourselves to experience that emotion because it's normal and healthy and regular. Everyone experiences anger. If someone cuts you, someone does something that pisses you off. You're going to feel angry. And that's actually super normal, but it's important to understand that you are not anger. You aren't, that doesn't define you. It's actually transient. And in the next moment, so maybe one moment you're feeling anger and maybe the next moment you're feeling happy and you're just as much not inherently happiness as you are sadness or anger you're not the good stuff. You're not the bad stuff. You're neither of it. You're the witnessing presence behind it. And so again, our language is super powerful. So maybe, so some, one of the things I talk about in embodied Ayurveda, I talk about it in the presence project as well, which is the, the shorter sort of like meditation version of um, my program. So I'm, I'm breaking up, I'm breaking up Ayurveda into small bite-sized pieces for people who aren't necessarily ready to commit to a full, you know, four month coaching container. But one of the things that, you know, I talk about inside of the presence project, we do it in embodied Ayurveda beyond even just meditation is this concept of formal and informal practices. Okay. So there are formal practices, right? Which are practices like, let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to do my 10 minute meditation. This is like your daily sadhana, right? Like your daily practice where you sit down, you're meditating or you're doing an asana practice, or you're doing a pranayama practice, whatever it is. This is like a formal thing that you're doing. Um, you do it every day, probably, right? That's like your formal practice. You've created time out of your day to do it. You're doing it really intentionally. You're scheduling it into your life, perhaps, whatever, right? That's your formal practice. And then we have informal practices. And this is something that I love to just like hit home for people is like the work is we do those formal practices to cultivate like a baseline resilience, right? And then we, we, we do the informal practices, like you're driving and someone cuts you off or you're at home and you're like trying to get your kid out the door and you're just like so frustrated, right? Part of the informal practice is that day-to-day -day, like lived experience of not identifying with those emotions, not over identifying with those feelings and thoughts and all of those things. It's like being able to access, I'm experiencing, I'm experiencing frustration right now because my kid is taking forever to get out the door. I'm experiencing frustration because my kid's not listening to me. I'm experiencing frustration because my kid woke up at 5.30 in the morning today. <laughs> Can you tell what I'm experiencing in my life right now? Mm, some frustration. No, it was actually cute. It was actually fine. And Vikram had her in the morning, but those informal practices are so important because that's where like the magic happens, right? It's easy to feel calm. It's easy. Well, it's not easy necessarily. It's a little bit easier to feel calm when you're like in a, in a, you know, quiet contained practice area where there's nothing else really going on. It's a whole other thing to identify, I'm not anger. I'm not frustration. I'm not X, Y, and Z when you're in a situation that's like triggering or that's like frustrating or whatever. 
So these are the things that we need to start to work toward is start being in the practice of observing that you are not that emotion, that you're experiencing it, invite it in, allow it in, but know that you are not that, know that your consciousness, who you truly are, is not actually um, impacted at all by those emotions. You are simply witnessing those things um, unfolding. And for those of you who are like, that's not, and you know, exactly my, even my husband was like, okay, that sounds great, but what's the actual practice of it? The practice is awareness. Awareness is, it's the first thing that we do inside of embodied Ayurveda is we cultivate awareness and then alignment as well. But awareness is the, is the first thing we, we need awareness. We need to first learn to become aware that I'm experiencing anger, or even you, you can even use the language of I'm angry and then notice, oh, that's interesting. I said, I'm angry. A am I angry though? Or am I experiencing the emotion feeling of anger? Then we can switch the thought to I'm experiencing anger. And interestingly in NLP, the neuro-linguistic programming sort of model of everything which by the way, I'm doing a super cool certification in um, because I'm a huge nerd and I love the science of reality and all of the things is that our words create a reality. So if you experience anger a lot, consider I work with people who, have, who, who experience anxiety, right? This is a huge thing for me and my anxiety. I had it like I was anxiety. Like I am anxious. I am so anxious. I am so stressed. I am this, I am that. And I took it on the ego, okay? The I formation it wants to identify with things in this physical world because ego wants to stay alive and the ego exists in this physical reality and it needs things to, by the way, it's 1111 here. I just saw that. I don't know. I feel like it's a sign. <laughs> anyway, the ego, it wants to identify with things. Okay. And so if it can latch on to being anxious, or stressed or whatever, right. It's going to do that. It's, it wants to create a picture of who you are in the world to feel safe and to feel like it's alive. Okay. Um, and so it's totally normal. And, you know, I think I spoke about this last week. It's like, we don't want the ego to use us. We want to be able to use it. We are in this reality. We are in this physical world. Okay. We, we can't deny that that is like what our experience of this reality is right now. Okay. And like the laws of this world are the laws of this world. It is what it is. We need money. We need, I need to know that I'm not you. And you need to know that you're not me, but we want to cultivate a healthier relationship with the ego. We want to cultivate a healthier relationship inside of our reality. Anyways, this, um, this informal practice of being the witness Okay. And, you know, lessening that sort of grip of the ego and the, the identification with, you know, external things and, 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 um, I don't want to say titles. Yeah. Like external, um, labels and emotions and all of that. There's such a value in having these informal practices. And also we can, we can create a safe container for ourselves to, do that work and to practice being the witness, um, which is what I will help you do today. And something I want to say as well, before we get into this practice is that whenever I, whenever I got, I need like a little side there. Whenever I guide people through learning meditation, like truly learning how to cultivate a meditation practice. One of the things that I want to say is that for some people, it's not helpful to start where I'm going to be taking you right now, which is observing the thoughts and emotions and detaching for some people, we first need to concentrate. Well, for most people, honestly, we need to learn how to focus the mind. Okay. We need to learn how to concentrate dharna, have a one-pointed focus 
build that muscle of concentration, right? Understand the mechanics of meditation. We think that meditation is just like sitting down and like emptying our mind. It is not, okay? Meditation is concentration. It's concentration over a period of time. And then from that, that single pointed focus, a state of meditation arises. Meditation isn't something that you do. It's a state of being that arises when we concentrate on something for a period of time. So the practice that I'm going to do today might not, I mean, it's fine. If you're like a beginner, it's totally fine. Um, you're not going to like, ah, you know, explode, but um, I just want to be responsible in sharing that, that if you are someone who tends toward, you know, again, think about Vata Dosha, think about the mind. If your mind is one of those minds that tends to go up and out and all over the place, and I'm going to guide you into like just observing your thoughts. And you've got like 75 million thoughts in there. That's going to feel really overwhelming for you. Right. So this could be an interesting practice to do like once, but if you are someone who is like, okay, like you have the experience of anxiety, you have the experience of all of these, th these thoughts. Maybe this practice is a helpful practice for you to be like, God damn, there's a lot of thoughts in there. <laughs> right. Maybe that's your reality, right? If that is your experience where you have all of, a lot of these thoughts, where you are experiencing more of an increase in Vata Dosha, right. Lots of Rajas, right. In the mind, the, the mind is spinning, the mind is going everywhere. This may not be a good long-term practice for you. This is what we cover inside of the presence project specific to meditation. It's what we go into in a lot more in individualized detail inside of embodied Ayurveda, which is our four month coaching container designed to essentially walk you through. I'm going to call it like an Ayurvedic way of being Ayurvedic way of living so that you can, you know, let go of the stress, anxiety, overwhelm, and really step powerfully into your most aligned self so that you can start living your purpose and your passions and all of those great and wonderful things. So, um, just wanted to say that as like a disclaimer that if you, yeah, if you're struggling with the anxieties and the stresses and the overwhelms and all the things, this might feel more overwhelming, right? There are some meditation practices or some, you know, different consciousness practices that might feel overwhelming. And so this is what I see. I'm going to say one last thing. Cause like, this is a peppy of mine, but I see people who do these like interesting, like fancy breathwork classes, or they do these, you know, like interesting, like deep meditation adventures, you know, which is cool. Those are freaking cool. Like I'm about those, like I'm all about like cool consciousness journeys. I think they're super cool. And from like a long-term perspective, if you're someone who, who deals with these things, who has a Vata, you know, imbalance, which we know is at like the root cause of most anxiety, stress, and overwhelm, those experiences while being super cool can actually aggravate Vata Dosha, right? And I see this all the time. It's like people's tendency. We want to do cool stuff. Like we want to do cool breath work. We want to do the cool meditation practice. We want to do the cool asanas, you know? And like, that's awesome. But, you know, time and time again, we see that coming back to and beginning with simplicity is the key. I have heard, you know, I'm so grateful to have teachers in this space who have said like, for example, who comes to my mind is Dr. Robert Savaboda. He's been practicing Ayurveda, teaching Ayurveda for like decades, like probably like four or five decades. And he jokes all the time. He's like, man, he's like, I see all these, you know, new practitioners and everyone wants to do these cool breathwork practices. And, you know, he jokes that like you're uh, naughty Shodna even, um, you know, you're, you're torturing your nostrils. And we think we need to do these cool breathworks, you know, practices, these cool pranayamas. And he's like, I, I did that. I was going, you know, you know, really intense in my pranayama practice and it messed me up. And like, yeah, if we aren't aware of what we need to do in our, for our body, for our mind, it can certainly throw you out of balance. So it's something to be responsible for as a practitioner. It's something to be responsible for as a teacher. If you are a teacher of this work and you don't know how to, you know, you don't know how to prescribe a breathwork practice, or you're not sure you're kind of, you know, um, 
you're kind of prescribing it all willy-nilly and you're just sort of guessing, um, that's something to be responsible for. And it would be very helpful to get some guidance and advice and some training around how to actually um, responsibly prescribe those practices in, in, in a good way for your students. So that's my little disclaimer. Um, I think this is a cool practice. Like I said, I mean, it's probably fine for most people. Um, nothing awful is going to happen if you do this practice, especially just this once. It could be, if anything, really, really interesting. I'm going to make it very, very short. Um, but this is something you could totally do um, for, you know, on your own, just sort of using this like outline. So essentially what I'll do is, and I can give you the choice if you would like to, if you would like to continue on with it or not. Um, essentially what we're going to do is we're going to sit down. We're going to get into our comfortable position. We're going to close our eyes or focus the gaze. And then I'm going to guide you to essentially empty your mind and observe any thoughts, feelings, emotions that are coming up. We're going to explore those a little bit. And so this probably wouldn't be the best to do if you're feeling really overwhelmed, if you're feeling really anxious, if you're feeling really unstable, this is not going to be helpful, I feel. So if this is, if you're feeling in that space, what I would actually recommend that you do is just like pause this and maybe go and do like, just focus on your breath, right? Or get into your body, focus on your physical body, exploring the contents of the mind when we're feeling, you know, unbalanced is not, is not a good thing to do, right? It's just, it's not going to be helpful. So if that sounds like you, this is probably not the practice for you, but if you are in a relatively grounded space, and you're curious about exploring the connection between who you are and these thoughts, then I encourage you to, I encourage you to stay. Whenever you're ready, <sighs> take a sigh if you want <laughs> and uh, get into a position that feels comfortable for you. So you could be seated exactly where you are. You don't have to be in some fancy seated, you know, lotus position. You could be in whatever seated position feels good for you. I'm sitting on a chair and I'm actually going to have my feet firmly planted on the floor. Make sure that if you are sitting on a chair or whatever, your sits bones are connected to the ground or to the chair and then sit up nice and tall. So make your spine long shoulders back and down. You can roll them back and down if you want. Grow nice and tall. You can have a gentle bend of the neck and you can close your eyes or you can soften your gaze on something just to make sure that the mind is contained and not distracted by the world around it. And when you're ready, just bring your awareness to your breath. Not trying to change or alter the breath in any way, just Noticing the inhalations and the exhalations. Paying attention to the breath exactly as it is in this moment. And when you're ready, I want you to take a moment to give yourself permission to be here with me in this space for the next five to 10 minutes, exploring the contents of your mind. and giving yourself permission to do this without judgment, to notice what shows up in your space without any judgment or criticism about what it is that you find. So take a moment and come back to the breath. Again, just focusing on the sensations, not trying to change or alter it in any way. Who 
noticing the qualities of the inhalations and the exhalations. And when you're ready, just allow your breath to really settle into its natural rhythm. And when you're ready, I want your breath to sort of fade into the background, have a gentle awareness of the breath, but bring your awareness to the contents of the mind. We're not trying to empty the mind in any way. We're simply getting curious about what's in there. And this may feel challenging at first, but notice any thoughts, predominant thoughts, any predominant feelings that are coming up in the space of your mind. And when you found one of those thoughts or one of those feelings, I want you to observe that thought and that feeling. If it feels good for you, you can draw like a little bubble around it in your mind. So it's just floating around in the space of your mind on its own. And I want you to notice any feelings in your physical body, any thoughts you have in your mind about that thought or that feeling. As you notice those thoughts and feelings and emotions that you may have about that thought or feeling or emotion, I want you to ask yourself, who is observing that thought, that feeling, and that emotion? Notice that there is a you who is observing that thought, that feeling, and that emotion. Notice that there is a separation between the you who is observing and that thought, that feeling, or that emotion. And there's nothing else to do other than notice that separation to notice that you are not that thought. That thought is not a part of you. You are experiencing that thought, feeling, or emotion in your mind. It is passing through your mind like a cloud in the sky. And just as the sky is not the clouds, those thoughts, feelings, and emotions are not you. Notice how that awareness feels in your body. 
Notice if it feels expansive or if it feels contracting. And don't judge yourself for any of the experiences, thoughts, or feelings that you have about that awareness. But notice how that feels for you. If you feel called, you can feel free to observe any other thoughts, feelings, or emotions that are floating around in the sky of your mind. And notice that there is a witness to those thoughts, feelings, or emotions. Notice the space between the witness and the thought, feeling, or emotion. And see if more quickly you can identify that you, the witness, are not those thoughts, feelings, or emotions. You are simply the consciousness, the witnessing presence that sees, observes, and experiences how these thoughts, feelings, and emotions interact with your mind. And again, notice how that feels in your body. That feels contracting or expansive. I want you to take a moment and settle into that role of the witness. And notice that who you are is always that witnessing presence, whether it's in this guided practice, whether it's in your life, out there in the real world, you always have the opportunity to access this witnessing presence. You always have the opportunity to disengage from over-identifying with emotions, thoughts, and feelings, to recognize that you are simply observing them as they pass by in the cloud of your mind or in the sky of your mind rather. And know that the work of, as Deepak Chopra says, being meta-human is in choosing this, is in choosing to access that witnessing presence more often than not. So as you go back into your day, I invite you to continue to come back to this witnessing presence as often as you can, as often as you'd like. When you notice an emotion or a thought, a trigger, a physical sensation in your body that upsets you, observe that, notice that feeling, notice that thought, notice that sensation. And in being able to observe it, know that you are not it. The observer by its very nature cannot observe itself. It looks outward and it observes the observable. It observes external objects, external things, external sensations. 
And the more you can come back to that awareness and that truth, the more empowered you will be in any and every situation. So take a few moments and come back to your breath. Again, not trying to change it or alter it in any way, simply becoming aware. Noticing any sensations in the physical body. Noticing any lingering thoughts. Moving the body gently if you feel called. And to close out this practice, I love to close out with three deep breaths. You can choose to breathe in, breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth if that feels good for you. Three deep breaths in through the nose and out through the nose. You don't even have to do three deep breaths if you don't want to. I'm going to culminate with three deep breaths. One in through the nose and out through the mouth. One in through the nose, out through the mouth. Last one in through the nose, out through the mouth. And whenever you feel ready, I want to invite you to move your like fingers and your toes, wiggle your wrists and your ankles, move your body, shake, 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 gently blink open your eyes and come back into the space. I love how I say that these are going to be short and then it's like 30 minutes later. <laughs> Tower roll guys, tell roll. Um, okay. I am so curious to hear how that experience was for you. What came up for you in that practice? How that was in general? Did you find it tough? Was it challenging? Was it, was it hard? Were you judging yourself? Were you criticizing? Like share with me what came up in the comments below if you're watching the replay, if you're doing this practice um, on your own, I would love to hear what came up for you. Um, any and everything that you want to share. If you don't feel comfortable sharing in this space, know that you are more than welcome to private message me. Um, I love hearing from you guys. I know that sometimes like a, a community like this, especially with so many new faces for people who are newer, it can feel of course, like vulnerable to share in such a, you know, group space, but I would be so honored to hear how that practice was for you and to see if it was helpful for you and to know that this is always something that you can come back to if you feel, um, yeah, if you ever feel like you just need to access that witness, because this truly is a practice. It really is like, I'm sitting here, you know, talking to you about this. And of course, this is something that like, I love to informally practice in my life. And of course, emotions take over sometimes, right? Like we're not always operating in the place of the witness and we're not always these, you know, perfect yogis in life. And my husband and I were talking about like, what is a modern yogi, right? What are modern, um, in yoga and the yoga sutras, they talk about siddhis. So powers, right. In, in ancient India, yogis, right. Cultivated, they actually had superpowers. Like there are actually more modern stories of actual, you know, human beings like levitating or some really cool stuff. And me and my husband were talking about how the modern siddhis and superpowers are actually the ability to just be present, you know, like think how, how super, what a superpower it would be to be totally the witness of all the thoughts, feelings, emotions, et cetera, that were coming up and to not feel like you were a victim to circumstance and to feel like you were, you know, able to be the witness and to be detached from, you know, 
thoughts, feelings, emotions, because the interesting thing, right. That happens too. It's like, there's the one hand where we're attached to a thought, feeling, or emotion. And we think like, I am anxiety. Oh my God. Like we feel like we're inextricable from the feeling of being anxious. Like anxiety is me. Like it's like, it's stuck on me. Like it is part of me. Right. Um, and then there's like the, you know, if we're experiencing it, like, let's say someone says something to you and it triggers you and you feel anxious, or you feel upset. There's the piece where like, we, we take it personally, you know, and then, um, we, we kind of like hold on to that, you know, and we don't observe, okay, I'm, I'm the observing witness. I can observe this upset me and I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. And so there's a, a quote by Viktor Frankl, who um, Vikram actually just recently started reading his book. And um, there's this quote that he says that between stimulus and um, yes, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies your ability to respond and to choose your response. And in that space, and what I've found is that when we practice, the more that we practice, whether it's meditation or pranayama or asana, or we do these informal practices, the more that we make this a part of our life, the greater that space becomes. And not even like the greater the space, like the slower, it's like time slows down. And so when we get to see that, okay, the stimulus happened, I'm having this experience. Okay. I'm not this experience. I'm the witness. We get to choose the witness gets to choose. The witness isn't a victim to external circumstances. The witness is the witness. And then in being that witness, right. We, we, we get to choose versus react, right. Which is what so many of us are doing, which is honestly probably like the, the microcosm for what it is that we're sort of All right, everyone. Thank you so much for today. listening into this week's episode slash bonus meditation practice. Um, it was certainly a joy to record this for everyone and to be in the space of those who joined us live over on Facebook. Um, I really hope that this podcast is bringing you lots of value and really supporting you on your journey, whatever that may be. And so if you are finding lots of value in this podcast and you love it, I would love if you would go over to iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or wherever it is that you are listening to this and just leave a little review for us. This helps for more people to find out about the Yogi Fuel podcast, find out about Yogi Fuel in general, and ultimately spread the word of yoga, Ayurveda, and how we can you know bring these things together with modern science to transform lives and transform consciousness. So if you would do that, I would be so, so grateful. And as per usual, if you are interested in diving more deeply into this work and you are curious about our programs, um, please do reach out. We have links linked in the show notes for you to reach out to us either in a formal application or just like message me on Instagram or Facebook in the DMS. I'm super lovely. I promise I won't bite. <laughs> um, and I'm always so happy to chat with you about whatever it is that you are dealing with, point you in the direction of next steps, whether that looks like working with us formally or not. I am absolutely happy to point you in the right direction of wherever it is that you need to go next. So please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out in any way. Once again, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in, for being here. Um, ultimately, it's you who is listening, who is making this such a powerful community. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful. So that is all for this week. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week.